Welcome to the Rebel at Large Adventure Podcast. I'm Drifter. And I'm Gypsy. Talking about ghost towns, graveyards, outlaws, heroes, and ladies of the night. Howdy folks, thanks for joining us today. We're doing something a little bit different from our normal adventure episodes. A little Halloween treat for you, our beloved listeners. Both Gypsy and I share a fondness for the Halloween season. Many of our adventures are based around ghost towns, cemeteries, and haunted places. So Halloween just happens to fit just fine in our general mindset. It does not hurt that both of us were born in the month of October. It does not hurt. (laughs) So with that said, we decided in the fashion of a historical roadside marker, we would share with you the history of Halloween. As we all know, Halloween is always on the 31st of October. The tradition that we now celebrate, however, is over 2,000 years old. That's old. (laughs) Going back to the ancient Celt festival of Samhain. Samhain. So to note, Samhain is the proper way to say it, yet it is most often pronounced as as it is spelled Samhain. (laughs) Samhain was the day marking the end of summer, the end of the harvest, and the beginning of the dark times as winter begins. The dark times. Winter is a time often associated with death. The crops are done growing, the leaves die and fall from the trees, and even the human condition tends to be a bit more susceptible during the cold winter months. In these ancient times, the new year began on November 1st. It was believed that the veil between the living and the dead was at its thinnest on the night between. So during the ancient celebrations, the Druids would dress up in costumes, often made of animal heads and skins, and gather around giant bonfires. These fires would be set away from the homes in hopes they would attract the spirits and help light their way to the other side. The costumes would help disguise their obviousness of being mortal and hopefully allow them to blend in with the spirits thus leaving them unmolested. At the end of the celebration, sacred fire was taken with them to rekindle the fire at home, hoping to receive some protection from the upcoming winter. That's smart. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometime later, around 43 AD, most of the Celtic territory, consisting of what is now Ireland, the UK, and northern France, the Roman Empire came in to take over and reign for a good 400 years. Yeah. With the Romans came their own gods and worships. Thus, the two started blending their celebrations. One celebration of the Roman was a day also late in October called Feralia. Feralia. Feralia, sorry. (laughs) Uh, This was a day to also commemorate the passing of the dead. Another was a day to honor the Roman goddess of fruit and trees by the name of Pomona. It would make sense that she would also be honored at the end of the trees no longer bearing fruits. Mm -hmm. This also may lend to the old tradition of bobbing for apples. Mm -hmm. So Pomona, California was named after this goddess. However, the name was won by entry in 1875, long before any fruit trees were planted. So it wasn't already known as a, a place of growing stuff. Yeah. (laughs) an agricultural community thank you perfect (laughs) maybe they planted them in like tribute to her perhaps (laughs) so on the 13th of may 609 a.d the pantheon in rome was dedicated by pope boniface the fourth to honor all christian martyrs 
which was followed by a feast and a day known as All Martyrs' Day. Later, Pope Gregory III decided to include all the saints into the celebration and moved the holiday to the 1st of November. It is often thought that the church was attempting to replace the pagan holiday with one of their own. This All Saints Day, or All Souls Day, was celebrated much like Samhain with bonfires, parades, and costumes. However, the traditional costumes for their celebration were more of angels, saints, and devils. All Saints Day, known also as All Hallows, or All Hallowmas, which was derived from the Middle English word All Hallowmessy, means All Saints Day. So now we start getting the version of All Hallows Eve, which in turn became Halloween, the day before All Hallows Day or All Saints Day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have touched on the reason or reasons, rather, for the holiday. We also made sense of why costumes were worn. Don't want to be recognized by a ghost. No, you don't. Mm-hmm. What about this trick-or-treating business? I don't think it was to fatten up the kids for winter, though today's thoughts may be just that. <laughs> One thought is from an ancient Celtic practice of having a place setting for those who have passed away at the supper table, complete with food and drink. Of course, this was not consumed, so it was placed outside the house to continue the offering and keep their home in good graces with the spirits. Folks were already dressed up in costumes, so it would be an easy way to get a good free meal by going house to house and scooping up some treats. Indeed. Well, another possibility leads us back to All Souls Day, where the poor folks would beg for food. Families would prepare and give out as a treat a pastry called a soul cake, if the beggar would swear to give prayer for the family's dead relatives. The church encouraged the soul cakes in hopes folks would use this practice in place of leaving food outside all night for the roaming spirits. I mean, could you imagine the cats and rats with all this left-out food? Yeah, they would be feasting. (laughs) In droves. Yeah. So now we have a practice called going a-souling. I like that a little better than let's go trick-or-treating. I do too. This is where the kids would get up in their costumes to blend in with the spirits that are trying to find their way through the veil, go house to house, and anticipate a gift of food or maybe even some coin. Some money. Monies. (laughs) Uh, That's what my nephew does to me every time I go to his house. Yeah, he wants monies. He asks for monies, and I have to give him coins. (laughs) Yeah, who taught him that? Uh, Not me. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, wait. (laughs) (laughs) So what else do we have? Black cats are a pretty big deal on Halloween. Yes, they are. A common Samhain tradition going back to the days of the Druids was attempting to tell each other his fortune. As one does. Excuse me, their future, not their fortune. Mm -hmm. Uh, So bring the holiday to the early colonial days where an attempt to do such a thing would get you branded as a witch, which was not good in those days. No, that might get you burnt. No. We all know that a true witch would have a black cat as a familiar Or maybe even turn into a black cat. Thus, it might be your very bad luck to cross paths with such a cat. Indeed. So, pumpkins. We all love the pumpkins. However, back in the land of turnips and potatoes, pumpkins were not a thing. Originally, there was a fella named Jack who was approached by the devil. They made a deal for something in exchange for Jack's soul. The devil came to collect. I can't remember how, but Jack was able to capture the devil into a coin with a cross on it. Easy to tote the devil about now in his pocket. So, of course, the devil wants out. Jack made him a deal that the devil waits another year to collect his soul, and he'll let him out of the coin. 
Devil agrees and comes back in about a year. While walking back to the gates of hell, Jack requests of the devil he get up in the tree to fetch him an apple. Because, well, he's hungry. Well, yeah. He's walking. <laughs> it's get, starting to get hot. Yeah, and he's heading to hell, so yeah. it's his last meal. Last meal. <laughs> so the devil says, sure, and soon he gets up in the tree and Jack carves a cross on the trunk and the poor devil can't come down now. Jack's new deal is that if you let the devil go, he won't come back for him, ever. Devil says, sure, you got me, fine. Jack goes on about life and eventually passes. He walks on up to the pearly gates, asking to be let in, yet he was denied access. He was directed to the basement where a man of his values belongs. He gets down and is in the devil's presence once again. The devil, being a man of his word, reminds Jack of their agreement and the devil won't let him in either. Well, now what can he do? Eternity in the darkness of purgatory now for Jack. The devil's feeling kind and tosses him a bit of hell fire to go with his damnation. Jack finds this to be a bit hot to tote around, so he hollows out a potato or turnip, whatever he has right there, mm -hmm. and puts his hell fire in it to use as a lantern. So now you see, when the tradition came to the States, it was discovered that carving a pumpkin would be a whole lot cooler than carving a potato or a turnip. And now we have Jack's old lantern. <laughs> I like that. Mm -hmm. um, here are some fun traditions we can bring back that have been a bit lost to the times. Fun one I like is called Oomancy. It's a fun word to say, too. Yeah, I don't know. We haven't even tried it, but I like saying it. <laughs> so the word comes from two different Greek words. Un is an egg, and mantia means divination. So now we have the word umanti, meaning literally egg divination. This form of fortune-telling was practiced in ancient Greece and Rome as well as the Druids. There's a dozen ways to do this, yet a common way is to crack an egg into a pot of hot water. Now you'll be able to tell the future by interpreting the shapes made when the whites separate from the yolk. If it looks like a snake, it might be danger. If it looks like a bell, there may be a wedding coming up. Ooh. That's spooky. <laughs> if the whites and yolk don't separate, it could be Eggs Benedict for breakfast. That sounds yummy. Mm. <laughs> Another fortune-telling trick is to peel an apple. And it's important to not break the pill. Yeah, that's a fun pastime leading up to fortune telling. <laughs> uh, then you toss the pill over your shoulder. Some say left, some say right, or you can just throw it on the ground in front of you. That's fine. It's fine. <laughs> uh, then you will determine whose initials the apple pill forms, and this will be your future spouse. More spookiness. Scary for both of them. <laughs> My goodness, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, there you have it, folks. Just a little historical information for you as you journey along with us. Uh, we got a lot of the information for this episode off of the History Channel. You found another Halloween dad joke, didn't you? I did. Do you want to hear it? Do I have to answer that? <laughs> I was waiting for your crickets. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me. Tell me your joke. What do skeletons order at a restaurant? What do skeletons order at a restaurant? Spare ribs. Of course they do. <laughs> well, yeah. All right, then. Well, <laughs> thanks again for joining us, folks. If you'd like to follow along with us, Instagram is a good way to do so. At Rebel at Large. You can check out our website. RebelAtLarge.com. Where we typically have pictures of our trips. This being a little bonus episode, maybe we'll 
put some pictures from our Halloween party up. Yeah. Of course, that won't be until maybe after this launches, but you can check back after the fact. <laughs> we'll do a pre-Halloween party. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Something. You can also access our other social media from the website or send us an email. We'd love to hear of your haunted adventures. Don't be afraid to leave us a five-star rating and a positive review. This year, we'll celebrate Halloween on a Saturday under a full moon. We want to wish you an exceptional holiday, but please get an Uber if you're out and about. And also, please keep in mind that motorcycles are still out on the roads. It is still motorcycle season. Yep. Safe travels. We'll see you all down the road. <laughs>